pass in front. He's caught. Jackson. And it's 1 nothing as the veteran beats Allen on the far side. Welcome to Winging It in Motown Radio, where apparently we have a new name, but we're the same bunch of a-holes who think they're bigger and better Red Wings fans than you and everybody else. We also know more about hockey than you. I'm Jeff Hancock, and I'm joined by Joseph and JJ and Kyle. Gentlemen, how are you? You bunch of a-holes. I'm better than Doogie. Our, uh, our one, I, our Wait, one shut up, shut up, shut up. Best day ever. Okay, go. Okay. <laughs> We're a little bitter today, huh? No, I'm great. I'm so happy. Yeah, yeah me too. Anyway, as JJ was saying, we have one review on, on iTunes right now, and we're a bunch of a-holes. So <laughs> we would just like to confirm that that is true. Yeah, I mean, he nailed it. Yeah, that's right. Yep. We are a-holes. We do think we're better than everybody else, and we do know more about hockey than you. So I hope yep. you're all still listening to the podcast, because now we're going to enlighten you with this knowledge that we have that you don't. Uh, pretty pretty good week for the Red Wings, boys. Uh, I'm not even going to ask you how you are, because I don't care, because I'm an a-hole. But I'm not 100% a dick. Uh, so <laughs> overtime loss against Washington, win versus L.A., win at St. Louis. We're just going to get right into this, and I want to know what everyone thought about. Well, I, I would say pretty good week for the Red Wings. And then the whole Ottawa thing happened too, I think, right? That was Monday or Sunday or uh, recorded right after right. that. Yeah. So that counts as part of the week. Well, so. I mean. But we recorded a podcast right after it. Oh, shut up. Just if talk an about Ottawa, Yeah, but see, if an, if an Ottawa falls, you know, down in the forest and nobody is around to see it, did it actually really happen or hear it, I should say? Then it doesn't get a diving call because it's from Canada. There you go. See? Fucking Kyle Turris. Terrible, 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 terrible. So Kyle uh, nailed our points prediction. Um, yeah, what's up? Yeah, he's, he said five points, and uh, that's what we got. So, Jeff, I think you said two, wasn't it? I don't know. I figured we'd just lose every yeah, game. You were so bad. But you, it was reverse psychology because you guys were all sunshine, rainbows, and lollipops the week before, and then they lost, like, everything or something. So I went the opposite approach. No, you don't get to take credit for this. I, I did this. You picked against the family. That's fine. I am the family. <laughs> what of of the three games though? What what was there any one thing that either stood out to you or in, in a posi- stood out to you positively and negatively? I mean, JJ, I'm going to you first because I like going to you first because you're the veteran of the group. So hit us. Well, I mean, speaking of veterans of the group, Pavel Datsuk is back, and uh, that has really stood out to me. Just the way he changes entire shifts by himself. Um, makes room for everybody. I think that he and Dylan Larkin have been just so much uh, fun to watch. On the negative side, uh, they're still not scoring enough. They're having a little bit of trouble uh, defending leads. And I also think that uh, it would be nice if they drew more uh, more penalties. They don't get on the power play often enough, although they're not good on the power play, really. Yeah, yeah, they're terrible. Yeah, I mean, everything sucks. The five-point week's just garbage. Well, I mean, you can always say there's always something to complain about, whether you're good or bad. It doesn't matter. There's always something to complain about. And, uh, yeah, what I would like to complain about is that they cannot protect leads. Um, Though I will kind of retract that because they do that against St. Louis. Yeah, they did it against St. Louis pretty well. Um, 
Did they do it against the Kings too? Honestly, guys, no. I can't remember. I'm sorry. They won against the, they won against the, the Kings in regulation, and they won. That's right. That's right. St. Louis Tarasenko had that ridiculous goal where I was just like, God, he is so awesome. And then LA, they did a good job at protecting the lead. Um, but uh, yeah, I should have known that because St. Louis went to overtime. But yeah, y- you would just like to see them be able to uh, bar down and just kind of you know trap the game in the final ten minutes and just not let a goal go. But eh, well. It's just not what's going to happen, I guess. Although yeah, I will they, say, I will say that they've looked, they've looked a lot more promising. I mean, they've only been in negative Corsi over the last six games once, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, uh, pretty happy with that. I think they're starting yeah. to trend in the right way, as we said on the last podcast, and um, uh, that's, that's good. Yep. Yeah, and, and on top of defending leads, there's also something to be said about increasing your lead from a one goal lead, which. They managed to do against L.A., taking a 3-1 lead, uh, and then they really tried their best against St. Louis because that third period was not really what you would expect from a team that's trying to like shut it down, pack it in, and just try not to give up a goal, especially for a team that was on the second half of a back-to-back or, as I coined it in the recap, on the business end of a back-to-back. I thought that was a pretty impressive how they were, even though they didn't actually get that fourth goal until overtime, which eventually won them the game, I think it was pretty impressive that they were able to make as hard of a push as they did to try to get the insurance marker. And I mean, if if we want to talk about impressive, the week that Dylan Larkin had is something I would call impressive. He was getting a lot of praise locally, nationally. Uh, four goals in his last four games, tying Eiserman's record. Eiserman did it twice in his rookie year. Uh, we can't really say enough good things about this kid, can we? No, nope. I've been looking for a way to say too much good things about him. It's not possible. He, yeah, he he's made a like I don't know I don't know what his bad to good ratio is, but it's not even really close. Um, I think there might be like fifteen goods for every bad. Um, he's really good, and I just hope that he doesn't hit a slump and he just keeps going and going. He just energizer bunnies the fuck out of the season and seasons to come. Yeah, right now the only consistent criticism I have of Dylan Larkin is that there are a lot of times when he has the puck uh, like in the corner or behind the net where he just kind of blindly throws out to the front of the net uh, yeah. like, to like three people and there's not a Red Wings player there. But even then, it's like he's not setting up odd man rushes against. So he's just yeah. kind of turning the puck over and then he gets it back anyway. So um, that's, as, that's as, as down on the kid as I can get is that sometimes he doesn't do the right thing trying to set up yeah. awesome goals. I was going to say, we have a lot of players who actually like to do that. Yeah, it's true. Kaiser does it, Polkinen does it, the list goes on. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of hated Dylan Larkin this week. I mean, the dude just absolutely scared us all to death. Oh, when yeah. He, yeah. When he caught, when yeah. He caught that. When he, uh, I almost like just closed my computer and just didn't even want to watch hockey anymore. I was just like, nah, I'm done. I don't care. I don't give a shit about sports anymore. <laughs> We forget with Dylan Larkin, like he's 19 too, so his knees can do weird things and like yeah. shatter. It's like the uh, the the first baby. You you see that one take a tumble and you hear like a large like a loud thump and you're like, oh my god, this child has died. And then two <laughs> minutes later, they are they're totally happy. And I was like, how did you how are you, how are you still alive, baby? And then you re- remember, it's like, well, they're supposed to be bouncy because of that because they run into shit all the time. Yeah, if uh, that was Atsu who have done that, that would have been the end of his career. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> would not have recovered. No way. Not with his knees. But yeah, he's quite, good. I like him. Quite frankly, I, I think I'd, I don't remember who I posted to. It might have been everybody. Just I'm trying to imagine 
after the St. Louis game, I was just trying to imagine where the Red Wings would be at if Larkin got the normal Red Wings prospect over-ripening in Grand Rapids treatment, and especially with not having Gatsuk for so long, just, just how big of a disaster this season could be, could have been. Well, uh, it probably would have been, like, it, it definitely would have been bad. It probably, I don't think we would have been as, um, I don't think we would have thought of it as that huge a deal because everything would still have been under the lens of the Red Wings have a new coach and they're adjusting to a bunch of new systems and their players are still getting injured. Uh, if Larkin had gotten the Red Wings way treatment, I think he may have, I think he hypothetically would have been the first call up even before Athanasiu got called up. And yeah. he probably would have been making his case to stay on the roster and eventually stayed on the roster for the rest of the season. But I'm glad that he started from the beginning and we don't have to worry about that terrible other life without Dylan Larkin at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think the better question is instead of where would the Red Wings be if they hadn't started Larkin with the big club this year, is where Ken Holland would be had he not done that. And I think the answer to that would be like somewhere in the Detroit River. You think he would have been fired? No, I think the fans would have literally thrown him into the Detroit River. Oh, okay. I was about to say. He'll get thrown into the Detroit River by the entire fan base before he gets fired. And then he'll get fired for, like, not showing up for work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. Using the company card to buy hot, too many hot and ready. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that are supposed to be free anyways on the company card, so whatever. <laughs> I mean, all right. Just, just I, I got no transitions tonight. I'm, like, sitting here trying to think of, like, oh, how can I have a clever segue here? For shitty radio story. Speaking of drowning. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of drowning, Landon Ferraro was drowning among the sea of forwards on the roster, and he got waved, and he sailed away to Boston. Which and, is Jeff's favorite team. <laughs> yes, and he's actually, as we record this, playing in the Bruins game against Toronto, and he had a goal that was taken away from him and given to Brad Marchand. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. The The point here is that asset management is now a thing again. And I personally, it's like it sucks you lost Ferraro. You wish it would have been Anderson, but it's not like we lost Yurko. And I think he's, he's one of those fringe guys who was always going to be a fourth liner, maybe a third liner. But I, you'd rather get something than nothing. But just overall thoughts for for just losing a guy again. Um, I don't. I knew. I, let's be clear. I pretty much knew that. I had a feeling that he was going to get claimed. I don't know why. I just kind of had that feeling. It's not like he's been the kind of player that's put up points. He had. He has one goal in like what seventeen or eighteen NHL games now. One goal, one point. He's not the kind of player that can produce on a fourth line level. And he's not the kind of player that really deserves top six minutes at all. So he is quite literally a 12th or 13th forward, I think. Or 13th forward, if you want to say, you know, I'm just say 12th because he could be on that fourth line or whatever. But I don't know. He's speedy. He's got, you know, that defensive mindset, which is really great. But um, when it boils down to it, the Red Wings have so many forwards and just not enough room um yeah you'd like to see anderson go first but the fact that they put ferraro on waivers kind of sets the stage on well they'll probably they won't hesitate to put a guy like anderson on waivers if they need to so i think uh you know it sucks that you lost him you lost an asset that you know obviously 
never any fun to do, uh, kind of like the Nestor thing. But it's an expendable asset. It's not an asset that's going to break the break the club. So whatever. Yeah, that's just it. I, I would have seen, rather have seen Anderson go just because I think that uh, Ferraro's got a bit more of a ceiling, although he hadn't necessarily shown it. But, I mean, it's, it's just not that big a deal. I don't think that he was essentially, like, a less proven Patrick Eves. And yeah. I, I don't necessarily want Patrick Eves back on the team either, even though I like Patrick Eves. Uh, I like Landon Ferraro. Um, it's sad that he went to Boston because now I do honestly root against him. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, it makes it easier for guys like AA or Manta or Bertuzzi to uh, to come up in, in case of an injury. It's um, it's a fact of life of the system. I think that uh, Ferraro's time with the organization was well spent, and we did get value out of him, even though we didn't get anything for when he left. Um, he was part of the, the Calder Cup winning team with the, the Griffins. He was part of the makeup of the organization that helped develop the kids that are with the club now. Um, I mean, it's... It is what it is. Um, I I honestly did think that uh, that the the choice to put him on waivers had to do with the fact that he was just coming off injury, and I think they thought they could sneak him through on the well. Why do we want a guy who just who's coming off a busted knee, who's had knee problems before too? Um, I don't necessarily think that the Red Wings wanted to lose Ferraro more than Anderson. I don't think they wanted to lose either guy, um, but I think it was just a, a gamble they took that didn't pay off. And as far as that goes, I'm more glad that I'm less upset about this than I am upset about the fact that they waved Nestrosil over Cleary. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty much in agreement that probably would have preferred Anderson, but you know, guys like Ferraro, you can find them basically anywhere, anywhere you find a bargain basement NHL player. Uh, guys already 24 years old. There's not really that much of a future, uh, I don't really think his ceiling is that much higher than what it currently is, unless you're expecting some sort of Justin Abdelkader late season one month hot streak scoring explosion out of him. Uh, yeah, the only the only thing that I don't really like about waivers is that, and the and the fact that you lose him for nothing is that eventually you'll reach a point where you know you will run out of NHL ready bodies. You know, but we're not at that point yet. And even if they were to waive Anderson, I think they'd still be pretty much okay and not have to do something like, you know, throw Amantha or Bertuzzi into the lineup, realize they're not ready and have not much, have don't have much of a recourse for sending them back down since the NHL roster would need bodies. But I don't think we're at that point yet. And I don't think Ferraro is much of a loss at all, really. Yeah, I think you're right. If but, if yeah. if anything, the the absence now of Ferraro means on whatever depth chart they have, Yurko in theory is one spot higher to actually getting in the lineup. He did get in the lineup down in Grand Rapids. He's on a conditioning stint right now, and he's been lighting it up for the Griffins. I know he had a hat trick. He's at least got an assist. I, I don't know the exact numbers, but he's been playing well uh, as of late. Two uh, things. Seven points in three games, right? Yeah, three goals. So, so a couple things here. A, what are your takeaways from just him? Kind of is it is it a resurgence that he's having down in the AHL, or is it just he's one of those guys where it seems he's just they, that much better than AHL guys, but he still hasn't quite figured out in the NHL. And and B, like the conditioning stint, are we still thinking there's an injury? His back flaring up, or it's just they want to get him in some games. Uh, and and just do you actually expect him to get playing time when he does come back? 
I think they just sent him down just so he could get into some games. Uh, I think it's really nice to see that he hasn't lost that offensive touch that he has, something that we were all fearing would happen since Babcock did not play him as a guy to that was expected to score, and now he goes back to a league where he is expected to score, and he does it very, very well. Uh, maybe it's a confidence thing, but I hope it's something that makes him realize this is something that he can and should try to achieve at the NHL level, regardless of what Babcock tried to do, tried to do with him with his role last season. Uh, I'm not really that concerned anymore about any injuries. I don't think he would produce this well if he were ailing or hobbled by anything. And, I, and yeah, it's nice to see him get into some games, get, build some confidence, and make a case to get into the lineup that he could make a better case to get into the lineup through. Uh, having success in the AHL rather than trying to impress anybody in practice. Yeah, I don't think Yurko is. Uh, I think Yurko is. Um, I think I'm going to keep it real short here. I think that this was key to just uh, confidence. Um, as long as he could come to Detroit, he'll get it, and, and they're willing to give him a shot, not in a fourth line role. Um, I think he has set himself up quite well to take it on and and accept the challenge. Yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, trying to get him in game shape, like Joe said, and also um, a little bit of trying to get him to break out of the the grinder mentality he's been into and, and remember yep. just how, how fun it is to, to score goals again. Uh, as far as being back in Detroit and um, back in the lineup, I, I don't know. I wish I'd love to be able to say yes, but right now, where does he fit? You've got um, Nyquist and Ablocator on the top line. you got Tatar and Larkin on the second line. Um, I mean, you got um, Shane and and Polkinen and <laughs> I'm drawing a blank here. Who the hell's Tatar? Tatar. Tatar. Thanks. Oh, that's uh, that's awful. Sorry about that. Um, on the third line, so I mean, you, right now, obviously, you, you bump Miller for the fourth line. You go Miller, Glendening, Helm is well, or you 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 put Richards as a center. Shane moves to the fourth line, and then Yurko either falls in in that second or third line there. Yeah, I could see that. You know, you know, either Tatar, go, you know, keep Dietzuk and Polkinen together, and then either you put a Nyquist, Tatar, or Yurko there with them, and then your your third line is whoever's left over with Richards, and then again, Shane, he's been on the fourth line before this season, so it, clearly it's a possibility, and your fourth line is exponentially better if it's Glendening, Helm, and Shane than if Miller's there. Of course, though, this isn't fantasy hockey. Someone's got to block shots. Someone's got to play defense. Someone's got to kill penalties. <laughs> so that that might come into the conversation as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I don't know. I think he's going to be a scratch when he comes back up here. So yeah, I mean, unless somebody gets hurt, I I just can't see it. Like right now, the spot that's available is essentially Miller's wing spot on the fourth line. I mean, I guess you can juggle stuff around, but honestly, if you bump Miller out, you've got. Glendening, Helm, Shane, and Ablocator is your four main penalty killers. That works. I I, I wouldn't mind that. Um, the Put Larkin on the PK. Is, I, I do think they should do that. They should, yeah. Um, Larkin should be playing like 25 <laughs> minutes a night. Get him a He's too young to not be playing that much. Yeah, but, I mean, but the thing is, is that still, you've got guys that are going to be, you're, you can't really give Yurko that much time. I mean, obviously, yeah, you can do the, the roll four, five, four lines for 15 minutes a piece, but... Um, I, I, I guess now is the time to do that because they have a lot more games at home 
coming up than the, than on the road when uh, when the opposing coach will have a lot more to to say about what they're allowed to do with their four lines ice time. But I don't know how much you, you necessarily shake up just to get Yurko in. I think that he's just going to have to wait for a chance to uh, to get in when somebody needs to sit because it's going to happen. I don't think he'll need to wait that long. I think I think I think Blashill's been willing to make lineup changes. Uh, pretty justifiably so so far this season and probably just have to wait for the next two game losing streak or someone gets hurt it's inevitable well yeah but you don't know exactly when that's going to happen and the next two game losing streak could be around the corner well i mean boston's on wednesday right so someone's going to get a cheap shot there Uh, yeah you're right you're right so we kind of we kind of talked about last week and the forwards here little lineup talk but just uh we didn't really touch on the defense just before we move on to anything else your general thoughts of how they played over the past week anyone stand out to you smith maybe no <laughs> no not smith i didn't say he had to stand well, out in a good way well, well yeah he stood out but <laughs> i thought i think polkin has been like aside from the ot game winning goal he's been low-key really good i think that entire line that uh that's richards uh richards Polkin in line. That line's been money, I think. They've looked really good. Um, I've really enjoyed like I think Richards has looked really good too. Um those that would be my that would be my vote right there would be those those that line of players. They've all looked really good together. Honestly to me, uh, Polkinen has looked a little bit um a little invisible on that line. That's like I guess it's maybe a good like thing. you're supposed to find the invisible quiet areas because those are the two guys on the the team that are going to find him with passes but i think it i think it's a good thing that he's been invisible um i'd rather him be invisible and put up some points rather than have him be noticeable in a bad way i'd like to, for him to be noticeable in a good way too but yeah like i haven't been unhappy with him it's just i there's that like weird pulking in trap where it's just always you just want more yeah well I thought I. Um, no, I really like the. Uh, <clears throat> I really like what the the defensive pairings have been doing since we've gone to the uh, DeKaiser and uh, and Erickson and the the Green Cronwall because um, DK and Erickson are definitely getting used as the shutdown pair and they're they're still kind of getting caved in as far as um, possession goes but they're also getting the very toughest assignments by far. Uh, Cronwall and Green are getting pretty easy assignments for the second pairing and then Marchenko and, and whichever guy he gets with are getting uh, just the, the common old Babcock usage of, of the third pair gets easy zone starts, easy uh, easy competition but since they've been put together like that um, things have, have really turned up for for the Red Wings as far as being able to, to get the puck out of their own zone a lot better and I think it uh, it really works out because uh, DeKaiser and, and Erickson, like I don't know. I guess we saw the DeKaiser effect last year with with making Kyle Quincy a lot better. Jonathan Erickson has looked really good in the last few games. Um, obviously, he still makes the the boneheaded turnovers, but he's making a lot a lot less of them, and they're uh, they're not going to the, the the as bad areas of the ice. So I'm I'm real happy with that. And then uh, Green and and Cronwall. Are, I mean, you can see they're they're not as strong in their own zone, but they move the puck up ice really well. And Green, especially with the puck, is he's a puck wizard. So I mean, it's I, I really enjoy watching them move the puck up ice. And then Marchenko making his defensive partner not not look like garbage is is a lot of fun to watch too. Well, speaking of not looking like garbage, the Red Wings 
revealed their Stadium Series jerseys. And I personally don't think they look like garbage. I don't think they're the best jerseys I've ever seen. But considering the alternative of some of the Stadium Series jerseys we've seen a while, they're not that bad. I kind of like them. What are your thoughts on the whole new third jersey here for the Wings that they'll probably wear one time and never again? I uh, I really, really loved them at first. Um, and then I kind of sat down and I had a closer look. And then I was like, ah, that's not that great. Um, and then just the logo, like that like little swoop on the, on the D. seems kind of weird, but... Um, I'm really, really glad that they didn't decide to mess with the winged wheel. I'm glad they didn't, like, try and, like, you know, rip the wings off and throw it on a D or something or be really... I'm just glad they didn't really mess with it. Um, And I am really glad that they chose to do white gloves because I think white gloves are awesome. And I know all of everybody in the world hates white gloves. I'm the only one who likes them. See, you that's can not never true. convince. Nope, yeah. you can't convince. Nope. Uh, JJ nope, and I nope, both nope, said today nope, to you, both said like them. Like them. La 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 Nope, nope. I'm You're not a snowflake. La 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 la. I'm the only one. No, like Graham's the only one that hates them. I'm the only one that likes white gloves. So, Graham is not the only one that hates them. Graham is old. He's not wrong. Jeff is right. <laughs> Thank Don't you. worry, Graham's in bed right now, so he's not. He, he can't listen to this. <laughs> I have a headache. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, Graham is not the the only one who hates the white gloves. Uh, the jersey itself, uh, I was expecting to hate that white stripe that going diagonally it's across. Not that the bad. Part. Yeah, I think I think it looked. I think it works pretty well. I just think that the logo D is about. Uh, maybe like ten percent too large. Uh, the I'm not really a big fan of the font that they decided to use for the numbers. Uh, overall, I think the actual the jersey itself is fine. Not nothing spectacular, even though they tried. Uh, the white gloves just <laughs> whatever. See, I wish I I said this earlier. They got to wear white pants too. See, I disagree with you there. I think they need to wear red pants and white skates. Yep. No, you go, you, you you go white gloves, white pants, red socks, white skates, red helmet. I'd have what, to are they, what are they, a candy cane? Exactly. What they the got, hell are they? they stripe. Go for it. The Canadians in a barber pole. I mean, what was it? The They looked like candy canes in the 09 Winter Classic. So who gives a shit? It's a modern candy cane now. Yeah, I think in general, because right now our uh, the poll on the post is sitting at 45% meh. Uh, 26% good, 30% bad. So it's it's pretty evenly split. Like, you know, there's some people who hate it, some people who love it, and most people are just like, well, it could be worse. Um, it could be the Colorado Avalanche Stadium Series jersey, which is, um, as too bad Graham isn't here because he described it perfectly, it looks like a toilet seat with a turd in it. <laughs> just like their team. Um, I like the D, I like the stripe, I like the sleeves. There's just a lot of stuff that I just wish they'd done a little bit better. Like, I wish the sash wrapped all the way around the back. Just decide it. The whole back of the jersey just looks like, oh, this jersey has to have a back. Let's just let's screw it. We'll just keep it like it is. Um, if the sash wrapped all the way around, they could uh, and they did a little bit something with the uh, the letters or the numbers. I think that would be better. Um, I think that you could do like red numbers with like a white outline. Isn't that what they did on the alumni ones? Yeah, at America. Exactly. I, I think, think the, 
the all white sleeves I think would be better if they went back to red like right at the cuff. Um, you know, just and I hate the large numbers. I know why they do it. It's because you put a hockey game in a baseball stadium and nobody inside the stadium can see the numbers if they're normal size because nobody's sitting that close to the ice. So you make them gigantic and people are like, oh, well, now I can recognize that guy. But I think it's stupid. I, I don't care. I can recognize players just fine without seeing gigantic gaudy numbers. Now, one thing I was thinking when I first saw it, you know how they got the white at the bottom of the sleeves, right? So like, if you're just looking at the front of it hanging there, the white stripe kind of goes to the, the one of the bottom sleeves and it looks like it's it follows through like the pattern keeps going i thought like on the right sleeve they were going to put white up top where the number is and have a red number on that sleeve so like the slash looked like it went through the arms all the way to like the wrist on the other one if that makes any sense at all i think that would have been overdoing it yes i'm glad they didn't do it as i'm just saying that's what i was like oh good i could have seen them doing that i've been like fuck off shit i swore (laughs) (laughs) you made it longer this week it was about 30 minutes or so proud of you but uh I guess overall I like it. Could have been a lot worse. I'll buy one, and I'll wear it for all of us. You're going to buy one? Oh, I'm going to have my parents buy me one, and we'll call it a Christmas present. Oh, that's good enough. See, I wouldn't I'm buy gonna, it. I'm going to tell you honestly that these are going to look terrible on normal people. Oh, I can't it's wait. Like, it's <laughs> like the uh, the, uh, the 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 Winter Classic jersey against Chicago. I don't like those jerseys. I think oh, they I think are the best. Yeah, I think I like they're those. awful. I like all of them. Kyle, you're wrong. No, I'm not. I'm right. No, I mean, you see you see the picture, and if you don't, haven't seen the picture, it's on our site, on the, the post announcing it, with Cronwall and Zetterberg standing next to each other, each wearing the jerseys. And the way the sash, like, sits across their belly makes them look fat. And if it makes Nicholas Cronwall and Henrik Zetterberg look fat, if you've yeah, got, but like, a normal person body, you're going to look pregnant. Wearing they're those. also wearing extra-large jerseys. Yeah, yeah. Like your fat asses will be. Like, normal people. No, I have the one jersey You're going to get your custom fit, right? Yeah, like a large. Thank you, Jeff. So <laughs> they're, wearing, they're wearing the jerseys they're going to be wearing over their equipment, so it's got to be a little bigger. It'll be, you're just gonna, you'll see. You'll be sitting with me, and I'll be wearing my Luke Glendening Stadium <laughs> Series jersey. Nice. I might not so, sit with you if you wear that. I'm not getting Luke Glendening. Don't worry. <laughs> you're getting Dan Cleary, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll get a Val Philpolo one. Oh, yeah. I already ordered my Ferraro. Too late now. <laughs> uh, I think it's time we should go to the prospects report. What do you guys think? Sure. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, so this week, Michelle, our prospects expert at Winging at Motown, she's got a nice little report on the Grand Rapids Griffins, as well as a special guest to talk about some of the Red Wings' European prospects. Pick your jaws up off the floor, crack some beverages of your choice. It is time to party. The Griffins had three games last week, and they went 3-0-0. Three wins last week that doubled their previous wins on the season. Wednesday night, they beat Rockford 3-2. Friday night, they beat San Diego 7-4 in what was an epic, emotional game. And Saturday night, they beat the Chicago Wolves 2-1. And a huge part of their success this last week was the reintroduction of Andreas Athanasiu to the lineup after he got sent back down from Detroit. 
and of course sending Tomas Yurko down on a conditioning stint. In the three games last week, Tomas Yurko had seven points, hit three goals and four assists. Andres Athanasiu had five points in two games, three goals and two assists. Eric Tangrady and Robbie Russo both had four points, a goal and three assists. Anthony Mantha had three assists. Ryan Sproul had a goal and an assist. And Mitch Callahan had a goal and an assist and Xavier Willett had two assists. And let me tell you what, watching Andreas Athanasiu and Tomas Yurko play together on the same line is straight up hockey porn. Those two combined for I don't even know how many beautiful scoring chances, how many times one would set the other up. It was incredible to watch. Prior to his call-up to Detroit, Athanasiu hadn't really looked like himself yet this year. It's not that he was playing poorly, it's just that there was something else, there was another level that I've seen him go to that I know he can have that he just wasn't getting to. And I don't know the reason behind it, but holy moly, in just the two games since he's been back from Detroit, he's the double A that I know and love. He is flying up and down the ice. He is taking over games. He is a dynamic player that has a high-end skill and mental ability to take over games, to just absolutely dominate. And that's what he's been doing. Then put Tomas Yurko on his wing, who's a very good, skilled player. And those two have been making beautiful, Beautiful, beautiful magic. It's been really good to see Yurko playing hockey again, too. Through each period that I've watched him play since getting sent down, there's this progression. I can see it. When he first got sent down, he still had such a grinder mentality. Like, he would go into puck battles along the board, and he would dig the puck out, and it's like there was this pause where he forgot that, oh yeah, I'm the offensive guy. I can take this puck and do my thing with it. Like, he was deferring to other players, so he'd get the puck and he'd send it to somebody else, and it was such a defensive lack of offensive-minded attitude from him. But it was like, by every period that went along, he got a little bit better and a little bit better, and you could see the confidence coming back. And it was like he was shaking off the rust and shaking off the shackles. And Friday night, I was able to be at the game, which was an incredible experience. Yurko scored a hat trick, all three power play goals. He tied a franchise record. Only two other players have done that before. One of them was Timo Polkanen. By the time Yurko scored his third goal, late in the third period, it was such an emotional release. Not only, I think, for him and the players, but for me as a fan, there may or may not have been tears of joy when that happened. With each passing period, with each passing game, the real Tomas Yurko start to reemerge. Ryan Sproul had what I think is probably his best game as a Grand Rapids Griffin on Friday night. He had a power play goal from the point as well as an even strength assist, but what really impressed me more than even those points was how he played defensively. I don't think I've ever seen him play that well defensively. He was good about coming back and taking away passes and making sure that the opposing forwards ran out of space. He even had this sprawling sliding block at one point where it would have been a real quality shot on Jared Coro, but Sproul managed to get back and just sprawled out and took away any shooting option the goals forward had. He's playing with confidence right now. He's playing with some swagger and he looks good both offensively and defensively. I think this is going to be the breakout season for Ryan Sproul. I still am not positive on what his ceiling is going to be and if there's going to be a place for him in the Red Wings organization. But it's really great to start seeing him achieve some of his potential, not only because it's great for the team, but also for him personally. I know it's been a really rough uh, couple of seasons for him. Anthony Mantha also had a good week. He put up three assists in two games. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to play the game on Saturday night because he sustained an injury on Friday night. The team hasn't said exactly what the injury is, but I'm assuming that it happened in a late third period fight with Stu Bickle. Mantha didn't really want to fight, but he was being challenged, and it was either try and defend yourself or get punched without defending yourself. It really wasn't much of a fight either because Stu Bickle threw all of the punches. Mantha only got one of his gloves off before he was taken down. Word on the street is
is that the injury isn't serious, but we don't know yet how long he'll be out. Zach Nastasiak also sustained an injury Friday night in the first period, although I'm also not sure what that injury is. And we're getting the same story with him as with Mantha, that it's not serious, but we don't have an update on what it is, other than both of them have upper body injuries. Robbie Russo is a new defenseman to the Red Wings fold, as they signed him over the summer as a college free agent after the New York Islanders opted not to sign him to an entry-level contract. He was a healthy scratch for four games for the Griffins when Marchenko was down with them, but since Marchie's been in Detroit, Russo's been in the lineup. He started out slow offensively, even though he was playing a pretty solid game defensively. Last week in the three games, he had a goal and three assists, and looks like he might be poised to break through. As a rookie in the league, it's expected that he'll take some time to adjust, but one of the things that impresses me is, even though he's only played 10 games in the American Hockey League, he very much has a poise and a calmness with the puck. He doesn't feel rushed, he doesn't panic, he usually makes the smart play. I can't help but wonder if maybe him coming into the organization has been a little bit of a challenge for Ryan Spruill. Russo's also that right-handed shot, offensive defenseman, but he's also good defensive. Maybe this is the challenge Spruill needed. With three wins last week, the Griffins are now have a record of 5-8-1 and, and 11 points. They're still third in the Western Conference, sitting bottom of the league, but they're making up some lost time. The Griffins had a rough start to last season too, although I don't remember it being quite as painful as this season's. So I went back and I dug through some numbers to compare the start last season to this year, and they were eerily similar. This year, the Griffins start with a 5-8-1 record in their first 14 games. Last year, they had a 6-7-1 record. This year, they have 31 goals for and 4 45 goals against. Last year, they had 35 goals for and 42 goals against. Coming into this year, we kind of looked at the roster as being very similar to last year. I think compared to most AHL teams, the Griffins had very little turnover, but the turnover that they did have is very significant. The Griffins' offensive struggles this year might not seem quite as shocking when you compare the roster to last year. Sure, they have a lot of the same players, but the players that they lost were significant players. For example, they lost their second, third, and fourth top scorers on the roster. Timu Polkanen had 61 points, Landon Ferraro had 42 points, and Kevin Porter had 39 points. That's three of your top five scorers gone. You can't just replace that kind of offensive production, especially not with the players that we brought in. Adding Eric Tangrady, Robbie Russo, Dan Cleary, and Joel Recklitz doesn't even come close to offsetting the offense that we lost in losing Polkanen, Ferraro, and Porter. Jared Coral started in net on Wednesday night and Friday night, and in the two games, he stopped a total of 64 out of 70 shots and picked up wins in both of the games. Tom McCollum played on Saturday night and picked up his first win of the season, making 27 saves on 28 shots. The Griffins play three games again this next week. Wednesday at home against the Iowa Wild, Friday on the road at the Milwaukee Admirals, and then Saturday at home against the Lake Erie Monsters. Down in Toledo, the Walleye had a shootout loss and two wins last week. Jake Patterson was in net for the 3-2 shootout loss and then the 6-4 win. Merrick Tverden had the game winner in the 3-2 win. In his two games he played, Jake Patterson stopped 64 out of 70 shots, and Merrick Tverden had two goals and three assists. Tverden now leads the Toledo Walleye in points with 14. The Walleye are now 7-5-3 with 17 points and sit 6 in the Eastern Conference. In other prospect news, in the QMJHL, Evgeny Svechnikov had a pretty big week. He only played two games, but in those two games, he had five points. He had a goal and an assist in his first game, including a shorthanded goal, and then a hat trick in his second game. That gives him 34 points in 21 games. He's 15th in QMJHL scoring, 13th in QMJHL goals, 3rd on his team in points, and tied for team lead in power play goals with 6. It seems crazy that 34 points in 21 games is only good for 
15th in scoring, but the top scorer in the queue has 47 points in 21 games. That's just the kind of league this is. Out in the Western Hockey League, Joe Hicketts played three games last week, and in those games, he had four assists and was a plus six. Victoria had two wins and an overtime loss. He's second in his team in points, fifth in Western Hockey League assist, and first among defensemen in Western Hockey League points. In USHL news, Chase Pearson, who was the Red Wings' fifth-round draft pick last year and is an alternate captain for the Youngstown Phantoms, has been named to the United States Junior Select team that will compete in the 2015 World Junior A Challenge, which is December 13th through the 19th in Ontario. Phantoms head coach John Robleski said, It's always an honor to represent your country. Chase is one of the finest players in the USHL. He's a respectful young man, and we know he'll do a great job. On today's episode, we have a very special guest joining us to talk about some of the Red Wings' European prospects. Today, I have with me Patrick Bexell, who's also known as Zeb over at Habs Eyes on the Prize, and he is kind of my European prospects expert. Patrick, how are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's my pleasure. I always enjoy listening to your podcast, so uh, it's great to finally be part of it. Awesome. Okay, so we're just going to dive right in. So I wanted to get your input and perspective on Axel Holmstrom and Christopher N. So from somebody's perspective that gets to watch them a lot, can you just give me kind of a brief intro into what kind of a player Axel Holmstrom is? I see, like, Axel has come, ac- uh, come up quite rapidly, I would say, from... Um, a small community in the middle of, of, of nowhere, really, in Sweden. And he went to, to, to Coleftio. And I see him more as a finisher, maybe, than um, compared to Setterberg, who is driving play. Even if both are center, centermen, it's, um, it's more that kind of, of player I see him as. Uh, he reminds me a lot about a Toronto prospect actually playing in Frölunda on the wing, um, Andreas Johnson. A very similar place on the power play, try to go a little bit more on the on the right side, I think, uh, in play in general. But yeah, he's he's more of a sniper than playmaker, but he's very good in both roles. He's taking great steps forward the, the last year, definitely, with the playoffs he had as well. And I think he's um, this season is very much more aware in the defensive responsibilities compared to last year. The thing that he can really pr- improve on, and uh, it's according to a podcast with Nyström uh, over at Expressen, a uh, Swedish paper, and Axel agrees with this as well, is that his physique is not really up to scratch. I mean, he's 19 years old, and, and um, he hasn't, he's been playing ice hockey a lot, but he hasn't really worked for a ice hockey body, in a way. And uh, especially what it comes down to is that his stamina is not up to scratch. He said himself that, I used to finish last in in all the races that we have that was stamina-based in Coleftio, but now I'm finishing bottom 10. So he sees that as an improvement, and, and that's what he kind of likes to to do. It comes across as he really takes this step-by-step approach, which I think will benefit him a lot in the long run. I know that he's playing on the power play. Is he also doing, is he doing any penalty kill or where is he kind of fitting in on this team? No, he's not. Right now, he's not doing a lot of penalty kill. But if you compare it with another Frölunda prospect, Arthur Lekonen, that came over to Frölunda last year, and I will mention him more when we talk about Christopher Ann, is that you get to start a little bit with the power play, especially in Holmstrom's case. And then you make sure that he knows his responsibilities before you even get close to going on the penalty kill or box play, as we say in Sweden. And he... Um, he, it's also like he's talented forward. So why should we use him in the in the box play on, and, and have him uh, run out the stamina that he doesn't have really in a defensive position? But he has really improved for defensive zone start and stuff like that in Coleftio this year. 
So he's 19 right now. And we, we've we talked a bit in the past about, you know, he finally now has two goals. He went, I think it was 16 games this season without having a goal. But then when I pull up the SHL stats and I look at scoring for junior players who are playing in the SHL, he's second in points with 12 among junior players. So that kind of kind of puts it into into a little bit different perspective when you look at, you know, a 19 year old kid who's in the SHL with a lot of older, more experienced, you know, quote unquote, better players. Indeed. And you have to also realize that even if um, Holmstrom is he plays uh, third line center, but he is playing it at one of the absolute top teams in Sweden. They're like 10 points clear from the third place team, Ferland Kolefteo. And Kolefteo is the modern powerhouse of Swedish ice hockey. They've been in five finals the last five years and they won two championships. It's not like a general third line average center. You know, a, a third line center in NHL would be get a lot of interest from other teams all over the NHL with a result like that. I think like uh, when you look at Holmstrom, you also have to for, like remember, remind yourself that he's very young. And, and um, I think that the way he handled adversity this year in regards to obviously having been scouted a lot during summer, and that's probably what drove his uh, goal production down at the start of the season, that he handled it with, you know, humor. And he never stepped down from any questions being asked about it. Uh, he was very straightforward with TV interviews and said, I'm doing my best. And he really was doing his best. I think at one point, even, you know, fans from opposing teams was like, can I just go down there and tell him, you know, he's doing good? Because he is. He was doing very, very well. And I think obviously a lot of teams had scouted him after that fantastic playoff run he had. And that's really what caused a dip in production at the start of the season or dip in goals. Maybe not production because he still has, as you said, produced quite a lot. Tell me a little bit about... Christopher N. Then, when you watch him play, what do you see from him? I'm, I see him as a. Um, he isn't a star as Lekkonen was when he came over last year, but they're following the same path in a way. You get brought up, and especially with former under twenty national coach uh, Roger Renberg, that he wants to drive play and really um, take the game to the other team. But it also puts someone that has to be defensive responsibility uh, responsible. Sorry, at the point. And in this case, where Lekon was last year with uh, Jan Mark and Friegren and uh, had to take that responsibility, it seems like Anne is getting that responsibility this year with Lekonen and Friegren instead. And uh, so far, I, I, I thought about it when you sent a question over yesterday that I remember some very, very good defensive play from Anne, but I'm not, I can't really remember a place where he's been out of position or uh, caused something negative to happen. And I think he's really this, uh, how should I say in a way, boring Swedish centerman. You know, like he is so good at his defensive work. So you, in a way, you don't realize that he's out there there because he just gets the job done and uh he's 18 right and uh i think i think he just turned 19 okay for for a young guy again to 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 be that have that mindset and really push to to make that kind of impact and dedication to not just go on the rush all the time is for me something that stands out for as a determination and, and, and as a drive to really succeed. Because Sweden used to be really crap in ice or not really crap, but we used to be, be a mid-team in ice hockey national-wise. And our chance was to play the defensive game and maybe win a 
a game with a goal or so. Not to the extreme that the Czech Republic was known for, or, you know, their counterattacks is fast as lightning. But, but Sweden used to do this. And, and we're still making players in the same uh, mold. But to see these young guys really take that to heart, I think it's encouraging. I remember this play with Ian where he just went up to a guy that was coming into the zone and just took the puck off him like it was nothing there. He just stole the puck and went on uh, attacking the other, day, uh, the other way. And uh, he is that kind of player. You don't, you don't recognize when he's out there, but you miss him when he's not. That makes sense? It does. It does. And looking at his um, stats, He's played 12 games and he has two assists, averaging six minutes and 30 seconds time on ice per game, which isn't a lot. And I know, I think from my understanding of what you told me is he was previously playing more of a fourth line, fewer minutes, but that's um, increased a little bit in the last few games. Is that correct? Yeah, it has. And but. He is still not on the power play or the penalty kill, so he's out of the special teams, and uh, that's where the clock really runs the mock and where you can, you know, obviously set up more points in general. And is he not playing special teams primarily because of the depth on the team? I would say definitely, uh, definitely the depth. I mean, like the Frölunda team as the Kolefja team is is uh, silly with depth. I mean, it's it's they're two stacked teams, definitely. It wouldn't surprise me that at the end of the season, if he continues to play, that he will get more responsibilities on the penalty kill rather than uh, than the power play. Obviously, that would free up more people to to take an active part on the power play instead and save their uh, their energy for that. And uh, I can see him do this, and and that would be the natural succession for him to go for. Thank you so much for joining me, Patrick. Uh, this was definitely a learning experience and some great information. If you guys want to read any of the great stuff that Patrick writes, it's over at Habs Eyes on the Prize. And Patrick, if people want to give you a follow on Twitter and uh, keep up with all of your great information, now where can they find you? I'll be at Habs Eyes on the Prize, normally under the uh, uh, synonym of, of Zeb. And uh, my Twitter handle is uh, Zeb underscore Habs. I tend to write a little bit more of a European perspective, and I mentioned two articles that are more like league-wide articles to read rather than the articles that are focusing purely on, on, on Montreal Canadiens. All right. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And that's what's going on in the world of Red Wings prospects. All right. Well, thank you, Michelle, for the prospects report, and thank you to her guest, Patrick Bexel. Habs eye on the prize. Of course, just a heads up to everybody listening. We'll have a special podcast coming up in the next few days. It'll just be their entire interview part there in the prospects report, just a partial uh, segment of it. So keep an eye out on that. Keep your ears out for that because you listen to it. Uh, but right now, I'm going to listen to some questions from JJ because he's got our reader questions. Uh, all right. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, let's see. The very first question was something we already answered. So uh, it was a good question, though. Thanks, you, Mr. Or Emdra. Um, uh, why the fuck has Anderson not been waived yet? I think we kind of covered that. Uh, he asked the hot dog sandwiches question, which is a dumb question. We're over uh, but then Red, Red Wings 26135 said, are bagel sandwiches? And the answer is, if they've got sandwich meat on them, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, let's go with the trade Yurko question. Any okay, idea if the Wings plan on moving him? Mm. He's almost Cleary 2.0 as much as he's been scratched. Are you serious? Yeah, let's tackle this one. Can we get a name? What was the username? Dave Lee 731 Okay, Dave Lee 731 I don't mean to insult your intelligence or anything, but you sound like an idiot. Well, I mean, uh, we are smarter than him. 
I'm, it's just, okay, how old is Yurko? 22, 23? I, I think he meant that Dan Cleary was a healthy No, I don't want to so hear. I don't want to hear about that. Just I want to go. I want to go with my knee jerk reaction. Thanks. Um, <laughs> we've got a twenty. We've got he a turns twenty three next month. We've got a guy in his twenties. Thank you, producer Justin. We've got a guy in his twenties, and we're somehow comparing him to a guy who is not even good at the AHL level in his thirties. So, yeah, in fairness, he should be Yan Mersak two point Yeah, I mean, he could be Corey Emerton for all we know. <laughs> I mean, whatever. So. I, I, he has so much more key. I think we said this on our last podcast. Like we legitimately said this on our last podcast, but he has more keep value than he does trade value. What are you going to do? You're going to get him and you're going to get like what, like a, a fourth round pick out of him or something. That's yeah, not people keep talking about making him a part of a package for a top four defenseman. And, and the no. only answer to that is like, uh, okay, who? Yeah. Like what team is out I there mean, trading I, a top four defenseman? Okay. If there was Hammond, a, Mysterious okay. team willing to trade a top four defenseman and Yurko was part of the package. I wouldn't be. A pro- I wouldn't have a problem with that. I'd have to see what else is going with it. Like I, I really would. Like, yeah. Then fine. Then I mean, if it, it has third to, round see, the thing is that the Red Wings have so many defensemen, they'd have to like it. Just no. Trades I don't care. Going to happen. If, if we're getting a good one back, we'll figure the out that long term shit later. No, the only players that need to be traded on this team right now are, in my opinion, Darren Helm and Kyle Quincy. Darren Helm, Kyle Quincy, and Thomas Yerko for uh, Dustin Bufflin. <laughs> I mean, Helm's from Winnipeg. Don't take that. Don't even take it seriously. Don't. Done deal. Adding the first-round pick from Winnipeg, and we're all set. <laughs> I just, I mean, it is no, what it is. I don't think you're going to get anything out of it. Uh, no, in all seriousness, you don't trade Yerko now. He's... No. He, he needs a shot. He, we still don't know what he's capable of if he played top six minutes. He might never get that chance here, but it's not time to, to cast him aside just yet. Okay, uh, Master Moj has a really good question. A little bit of background on this, though, first, in case you have not been made aware of it. Uh, Ian White recently got arrested and charged with like weapons charges and essentially breaking terms of a previous arrest where he for drunk driving. Uh, basically, Ian White's a big piece of shit, and um, he, he could possibly be going to jail for a very long time. So he asks, on the topic of criminally charged NHLers and ex-NHLers, do you think the breadth and depth of criminal civil off-ice behavior is worse than it's ever been, or is it just recency bias? Did NHLers used to behave better or did, and just didn't get caught? It's just the world we live in with social media and the news gets out there and is more accessible. I'm sure there's crazy drug, alcohol, law, legal issues that we don't even know about from the 70s and 80s and even the 90s because the, the, the media was so different back then. So I, I just think it's a case of where we're at now uh, as a society and the access of information we have to have access to what i don't know you know what i mean and also the fact that there are just more nhl players in general these days so you know the more players you have the more criminals you're going to have just by nature of the sample size of people you're looking at yeah professional athletes in general tend to get arrested um at about the same rates as the normal population for men the same ages as them, although the specific instances of, of which crimes they're committing tend to be a little bit different. Like professional athletes tend to do more weapons and and like harder drugs kind of stuff where they don't do nearly as many murders for some strange reason. Um outside of Boston football, I guess. 
but yeah, it's just it seems like more. Um, but but yeah, it's because there's more. There's more people paying attention. I don't think people have gotten any worse as far as like the normal populations go. Like people aren't more evil than they were 20 years ago. There's just we know more now. Agreed. Ooh, let's do some uh, quick grades from uh, from Wingnut. 20 grades in. Uh, let's see. How do you think? Uh, let's give Blashell a letter grade. Um, I'll give him a B. B minus. Joe. B. All right. I'm also going to go with a B. Uh, Ken Holland. Joe, you start us off this time. Uh, A. An A for Ken Holland. Wow. C. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to give him a C plus. I'm going to go incomplete because I don't think you can judge a, uh, a GM on 20 games. You, you know, you're an <laughs> asshole, JJ. <laughs> hey, uh, next cop, question. I'll cop give, the hell out of all of these. Give, yep. give JJ a grade, everybody. Kyle? F for fuck you. Joseph? D. Uh, I'm going to go with incomplete because you can't give someone a grade who is Oh, <laughs> You just got dumped on. All right. Uh, the forwards, what do you think? D. Um, I'm going to go with uh, B, B, C+. Plus. C. They don't score enough. It's a solid C. They don't score enough, but they're also doing fairly well. They're doing decently defensively. So yeah. That's why I gave them a C+. Plus. Uh, defense. D. D minus. For defense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll be a B minus from Kyle. Uh, C. Uh, Kyle's right. It's a B minus. Yeah, yep. my grades don't make sense. Uh, <laughs> rookies. Does anybody not give the rookies an A? Oh, they, they get A plus. Yeah, they get A's for sure. Yeah. Goaltending, anything other than an A? Does somebody want to be a dick? No. Nope. Well, Howard sucks. That's true. <laughs> uh, they, they get an A. Yeah, that's an A right there. Yep. All right, and the new guys, uh, Green and Richards. Let's just combine the two into one grade. Incomplete. I give it. I give. I, mean, I give. It, I give it an A minus. Just because I only give it an A minus because Richards has been out. Um, so and was he, Green, huh? So is Green for a yeah. Bit. But if you look at the underlying numbers, Green has been an impact player so far. So um, I'm going to give it an A minus. So shut up. I'm right. You're wrong. <laughs> I give them a B. Cool. Go cheer for the Bruins. <laughs> Jeff sucks. Let's see. <laughs> Jimmy Hoffa's ghost. Uh, defense. It seems the inability of the Wings to clear the puck out of the defensive zone consistently is a major contributor to their abysmal shots on goal stats. They keep getting stuck in their own zone. Any chance of help coming on defense either from the farm system or via trade? Oh my God. Well, when you trade Yurko. <laughs> it just never way. ends. It's like every season. They're like not Fox. trading. They're not calling people up. Just They're not. It's just like every year It's we need a top four defenseman. We need a top guy. What what is there available in trade? What team is trading a top two defenseman? Like, let me go ahead and just say that the Travis Hamanick thing. If you paid attention to, I can't remember who posted the article earlier today. Uh, the Red Wings did call about him. They tried inquiring over him, uh, and it was not quote a not a fit. So, um, no, it's not going to happen. The the Jets aren't going to trade Bufflin. Um, that's that. So. Uh, beer league arbitration is a real good question. Um, how fragile do you think the roster is? Uh, what losses could and couldn't be sustained and still remain a playoff contender? Uh, mentions the concept of uh, Datsuk and some extent Helm coming back have had a significant impact on making them better. Like basically, yeah. how deep are we as an organization right now? Well, I mean, waving Ferraro, who granted is not a 
huge offensive threat or anything like that. But it, that just kind of shows the depth they have that you right. just have to get rid of a guy for nothing. Right. Um, yeah. I think that I, I and, and this is just me talking here. If they lost a guy. Obviously, they showed that they could kind of keep up with... I, I don't even know if I could say that they could keep up without Datsu. Um, I think that if they lost a player, I'm not going to say names, but an Impact 19-year-old, um, things might get a little sticky. Or if they lost a goaltender that is has the better stats, that might be bad. Um, it's just about key injuries right now. They have guys that are injured. Uh, who is it? It's Quincy, uh, Franzen, obviously. Those are guys that you wish you had, but I don't know if Quincy necessarily makes the team better right now. Um, he might. Franzen, if he was like 100% and didn't have like mashed potatoes for brains, then he would definitely be a player that I want on the roster right now. But right now, it's just not it's not feasible. Like, it's not even a question. He shouldn't play hockey anymore. So I'm not, like, pushing for him to come back, um, which kind of scares me because I think they're kind of setting themselves up to be buyers at the trade deadline, and I don't want them to be. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, what current NHL player do you wish was a Red Wing? Uh, forget salary cap and other asset issues notwithstanding. Tarasenko. Bergeron. Uh, Duncan Keith. Really? Duncan Keith of all defensemen? And old people. What's wrong with you? That's true. I should have picked a defenseman. I should have picked a defenseman. Choice is bad, too. Why? You don't like Tarasenko? No, because we need Subban more. Yeah. What about Carlson? Carlson would work, too. Hedman. If I had to pick a forward, I'd pick Connor McDavid. Yeah, that's a good point. So that doesn't help you right now. So you have a stupid choice. (laughs) Your choice is incomplete. Yeah. <laughs> so you're an a hole. Uh, oh, we all are. You know what? If I had to pick a defenseman, I would pick Hedman. So Hedman or Ekblad. Yep, I would. Okay, I mean those are good choices. Yeah, they're great choices. So, I know. So defensive. <laughs> That's the point. It's a defenseman. Home from '96 wants to know: Is Columbus really this bad? Yes. Uh, yes. Even worse now that they have Tortorella. Yep. Yep. Um, who will finish last in the East? Who will finish last in the East? Um, I think the Flyers, they suck really something fierce this year. Yeah, they I remember one of the fans was like wondering out loud today if they're like silently tanking. They might be. I mean, the thing is, is that they have a pretty good situation in terms of like um, personnel. Uh, they've got, uh, what's that kid's name? Uh, uh, Provorov. And then they've got like a couple other really good defensive prospects. Um, you know, Steve Mason, I mean, he had a really good year last year, which is great, but I don't think he's going to repeat that, obviously. Then they have Claude Giroux and Jakub Orchek. Um I just don't see them being a contender at all this year. I think they might be the worst. As much as I'd like to think that Toronto is, I don't, I would be the worst. I don't think that Babcock is that bad of a coach, so. I think so Toronto, just for, Toronto's it and wins too many games, yeah. Yeah, so. I think so. So just for reference, since we're already a significant portion of the way into the season, current bottom feeder standings in the Eastern Conference, Columbus 16 points, Carolina 18 points, Buffalo 18 points, Toronto 19 points, Philadelphia 19 points. Yeah. After looking at that, I think I'm going to go with Columbus just because <laughs> John Tortorella. 
Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you could be right. It's a toss-up between the two, I think, for me. All right, uh, The Birdman says, Wings Ooh. are in a classic heist movie to steal the Stanley Cup. Who's the brains, who's the brawn, who's the beauty, and who's the wild card? Jeff, I want you to start go first here. <laughs> Wait, so brain, beauty... Brawn and wild card. Brawn and wild card. The brain... The, the brain is Datsuk. The beauty yeah. is Zetterberg. The brawn... I think of the bra. I'm just going through the roster in my head now. This makes great radio. <laughs> uh, the I guess you got to go with Abdul. Uh, I guess you could go with Erickson. Uh, I'll go with Ablocator. Uh, Erickson's too pretty. And the wild card is Peter Morazic. Mm, wow. Um, the brain, in my opinion, is Morazic. Without, without Morazic, our starting goaltender. Without a brain, you don't work. Um, the beauty is Dylan Larkin because watching him play oh, hockey man. is absolutely beautiful. One. LeBron is uh, just an applicator. And I'm going to call Henrik Zetterberg the wild card because... He's got a brain and he's pretty. <sighs> yeah, that too. <laughs> wow. He's like half of Dorothy's troop. What? Nothing. Joe. <laughs> Kyle is right. Dylan Larkin is the beauty. Uh, Jonathan Erickson's the brawn. Really? Actually, no, I changed that answer. Nicholas Cronwall is the brawn. Uh, and then we're looking for brains and wild card. Yeah. The wild card is Mike Green. Huh. Yeah. And the brains are. Double dot soup. All right. Uh, Dylan Larkin is definitely the beauty. Um, Kyle and Jeff are right there. Uh, the I, I Braun, said Zetterberg. Yeah, you're wrong. Uh, the Braun is Ablocator. I'm sorry, no, the Braun is, is Jonathan Erickson because he's pretty enough to be in a heist movie as the Braun. Um, the wild card is, is Pavel Datsuk. Um, come on, the, the quiet Russian guy, that's the wild card. And the brains, uh, you dumbasses, is Jeff Blashill because he's the yeah. coach. Yeah, yeah, well, you know what? The, the players are the ones playing, so... <laughs> Yeah, because the brain tells them what to do. Well, actually, the real... They should be smart enough to know what they call it. I didn't know the coach was eligible, so incomplete. That's what you get for not thinking. That's because well, you're, you're the okay. beauty, Jeff. So, so if I'm the beauty, then what is... What is JJ the... the I'm the brains. You're the brains, so who's the brawn and who's the wild card? I'm the wild card. Well, Kyle's not the brawn. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell does that mean? <laughs> Can I be the beauty? No, Jeff's the beauty. No, yes. I'm way better looking than all of you. Oh, that's probably a good point. Okay, we, Kyle's the beauty. Hey, hey, we, Kyle. we should add a poll to the, the post, <laughs> who's the beauty, <laughs> <laughs> list all of us. Kyle's the beauty, Jeff is the brawn. I'm the brawn. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next question. <laughs> are, the Canadian, are the Canadians finally screwed with a Gallagher injury? No. Nah, I think nah. they're good if they weren't screwed with the price injury, there's no way they're screwed. Yeah, with the I think they're yeah, exactly. They get yeah, that. Uh, advanced metrics insight. Um, Special. A lot by JW7 basically wants to know how the wings are doing on fancy stats. Good. Well, um, trending upwards. Yeah, they're going in the right direction. Um, the only thing that I really don't know is that I, I that makes me feel kind of uneasy. Is that yeah? They're going in the right direction, but the problem is, is that um, their unblocked shot attempts is still kind of a problem. Um, Fenwick's, if you want to call it that, uh, 
it's just it seems like they get a lot of shot attempts off but they're um obviously they're not the kind of team that suppresses shots like they did under Babcock so if they're going to have more shot attempts they need to be hitting the net more often or not getting blocked it seems like it happens all the time they just get blocked when they have great chances um another thing I'd also like to see is uh their expected goal to to go up um but all in all I think that they're sitting all right but you just want to see them get pucks on the net um, as opposed to going into somebody's shin guards. Yeah, they're about middle of the pack as far as it comes to all the fancies. Um, yeah, and that's because they started to, off with that. Yeah, they've climbed up to like 49% uh, score-adjusted Corsi 4 at 5-on-5, five five, um, which is up from total garbage numbers because they had like score-adjusted in the first five games. They had three of those games where they were below 40% shot attempts. Yeah. Um, which is getting your ass handed to you. So they've been climbing out of that. Um, in the last 10 games, they're on like 106-point pace. Uh, their overall point pace right now is like 93 uh, because earlier they had a point pace in the 70s. So they're they're not a 106-point team. They're not a 70-point team. I think they're a little bit better than a 94-point team. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean, they're trending in the right direction, but they need to stay there for a distance. Like I, right. I, I don't know that the the Red Wings are going to show fancy very like supremely well this season, um, because there are still some of the habits of of Babcock in there where they tried to be more of a suppression team, which the common like the current fancy stats don't really deal with that kind of team very well. I mean, they're they're getting better about. Uh, assuming that's a it's a decent strategy, but really it's a, it's a lot about counting up instead of preventing other teams from doing the same. So, like I, I think that they're going to be able to stay under the radar, but as of right now, I think we're a pretty good team. Yeah, they're fine. Uh, they're it's just you want to see more on block shot attempts. You want to see them yeah. score more goals. Yeah, and I think they're hesitating too much to get shots off. Yeah. Um, Hey, Nick Moore wants to ask the question that we hate to answer every single year. Should the Red Wings just trade Datsuk? No. Joe. Should they? No. Will they? No. You don't just trade uh, one of the best centers in the league. You don't do it. Yeah, I mean, there's a concept that obviously you can get value for him. He's only going to be around for this year and, and next year, and then he's probably heading back to Russia um, where you could sell him off and, and get more talent for the future to kind of build around Larkin. But I don't think Datsuk wants to go play anywhere else. I don't think he wants to be traded. Yeah. And I think that ultimately it's going to be entirely up to him. Yeah, The only and place I, I could see him going is a, is a place with, like, like Washington, with, like, Alexander Ovechkin. Somewhere he would have, like, a, another Russian superstar to play with. Um, and it, even that's a stretch. So, no, 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 no. <laughs> the other thing about it is that you talk about getting value for the future when in a wide-open Eastern Conference, uh, you can, you're still trying to be a contender now. That, yeah. that, just, that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It, was, it didn't make sense back when it was Lidstrom. It doesn't make sense now that it's Datsuk. Yeah, I think I'll clarify, I... I'm still on on the the side of the the post that Graham wrote not too long ago that I will trade anybody on the roster if it makes sense. I just right. don't see Datsuk trade making sense. The only the only one of the big like the big core players that I would trade at this moment right now, like let's say the Red Wings come at the the trade deadline, we're in a buying situation where they're like, okay. Maybe we want to start shifting to in a different way. Maybe 
rebuild for a couple of years or whatever. The only player that I would actually um, really entertain the option of going, um, well, there's two. Um, Howard would be one, uh, and then uh, Cronwall would be another one. But again, I don't know if Cronwall would want to go anywhere, I, and I don't think the team would ever trade him. So, Plus there'd be a recapture issues with that Yes, too. absolutely, there would be recapture. Uh, LA Wing asks me a question so y'all can shut up for a little bit. Uh, JJ, no. is there a defensive side to Blashill's system? We've all heard about the defense joining the rush, but it seems that every other play has three forwards behind the net and a mad dash to stop breakaways. Can you ease our nerves and tell us what they're doing right defensively? Um, first, I can ease your nerves in saying that every other play is not three forwards behind the net and a mad dash to stop breakaways. The Red Wings don't give up that many breakaways. Um, they give up more than we'd like to see, but if you watch around the league, uh, I and there's not really a count of, of odd man rushes against, but it feels like the Red Wings are down from the odd man rushes they gave up last year, and it feels like they don't give up as many odd man rushes as other teams. Um, defensively, like I said earlier, they're, they're middle of the pack team. They're not great back there. I think that they do a better job this year of getting the puck out of the zone successfully, um, and I think that they're transitioning better. Um, they still have issues with the back check, and there are still a few too many times where they are uh, losing their men in and around the net, but it's it's not a perfect defense, but I don't think the Red Wings have a bad defense. But they, yeah, they're still relying on the on the goaltenders a little too much. It's it's not it's not bad. They're getting there, especially with the way that they've rejiggered the pairings now, so things are working out. Y'all can answer that too if you want. No. You did it sufficiently. Thanks. They didn't ask me, so what do I know? <laughs> well, this was L.A. Wings. So, like, they live near you in Anaheim. Yeah. What else we got, J.J.? Uh, the very last question. Uh, Katie 6 Right now, Boston and Tampa are not in the playoffs. Do you see them getting into the playoffs? And if so, which two teams drop out of spots for them? Oh, time to pull up the standings. <laughs> I think at least one of them does. Um, Tampa's going to make it. Yeah, they're they're battling a lot of injuries well, right now. Well, Boston's in the playoffs as of now. Yeah, I think that the Ottawa Senators are going to. I think the Senators drop out. Uh, so I don't Jersey. know. I think I think the Senators might make the the playoffs still. Um, personally, um, yeah, the Devils. I I'm not sold on them at all, and no one should be. But. Um, I don't know. It's too early. I can't tell what team is real and what team isn't. Well, we'll all know I by know Thursday. To make the damn playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Our division sucks. Like it, it. The East is trash. It's whatever. The Rangers. I might. They. They're due to really come back down to earth. They're riding off of like pixie dust right now. Yeah, but they're also nine one to know in their last ten. I I think that they've built up enough of a lead where they would take a real bad collapse for them to fall out. No, I don't I'm not saying they would fall out, I'm just saying they might fall down the standings a little bit, but that wasn't the question. I was just creating my own question. I think Tampa question. makes it, Boston misses, uh Ottawa and New Jersey both fall out, and the Islanders end up in the playoffs. Huh. So we send See, four teams from each division. I'm gonna go ahead and say the Islanders don't make it. That's bold. I'm going to say the Islanders and the Devils don't make it, and one of the three bottom teams in the Metro right now make it. Is that going to be like a stone-cold Dallas is going to finish last in the Central lock? Yep. (laughs) Sure is. The one that I get yelled at every night that Stars play. (laughs) Okay. Uh, If you're a Stars fan and you're listening to this, your fan base is the biggest bunch of babies I've ever heard. They don't understand trolling at all. Yeah, they're 
like they are a bunch of wild fan base. babies. You guys, right. oh, you think we suck now? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. Well, actually, we're moving on. Do you like hockey uh, players? Dumbass. Week ahead, the Wings kicking off a six-game homestand. Three games at home this week. Boston on Wednesday, Edmonton on Friday, Florida on Sunday. Very quickly, we're gonna we're gonna fly through this here. JJ, how do they do? Uh, two points. Which game do they win? Or ooh, the, uh, two overtime losses? Yeah, the Boston and Edmonton overtime losses. Okay, JJ, you are JJ. Good job. Uh, <laughs> <Joseph>. <laughs> Four points. <laughs> Four points. And Kyle? Um, six. Okay. Uh, the Wings will go two and one is the correct answer. They will lose to Boston on Wednesday. Ferraro scores the game-winning goal in the third period. Uh, do you have any final hockey-related thoughts, gentlemen? <laughs> um, I've, I've got one. All right, okay. go ahead. Red Wings beat the Kings on Friday. My mom's a Kings fan, so hi, mom. I've been tell I've been waiting all weekend to tell you this. Ha ha! Wow. <laughs> yeah, take that, Joe's mom. Not a great thing to do before Christmas. Does she live in Anaheim too? Santa Claus is gonna shit in your stocking. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Dumb. The rest of you guys got anything? Um, no, not really anything that really matters. I'm just uh, uh, everybody just enjoy your uh, Thanksgiving, and if you don't celebrate thanksgiving then enjoy your day off thursday. yes your thursday I'm, off. I'm working i am not which is great so i'm not off till next sunday um, i will be drunk watching the lions i'll be drunk watching the lions too i'll just be at work doing it um <laughs> so so for joseph his mom jj kyle and the rest of the a-holes at winging it motown it's been the latest edition of wim radio goodbye bye see ya